All right. Well, like I say every time. Well, honestly, before we do this, um, I just, I was standing over here watching y'all worship and sing to Jesus. And I love, I, lo- I love camp. I've been, I've been blessed to be able to be parts of camps for a long time, but it's so weird. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch the first, the first night compared to the last night. Uh, where the first night we're just kind of wondering, what, what do I do? Am I into this? Am I not? Um, people talking to each other, some not. And then you come to the, as it progresses, the last night you just see hands up and then people are clapping on certain parts of the song. Not like the rhythm part, but you're excited. And because I just see that as God working and moving. And, and I think that there's a, there is a such thing as a camp high And yet, it shouldn't have to be that. It shouldn't be like, well, I I can't really experience God unless I come to Hume. Like, Hume's amazing, but God doesn't live here only. It's really, I mean, think about it. You've put aside phones and social media and TV and video games and all the stuff that distracts us the rest of the time. I mean, think about how busy we are. But a lot of times, our busyness is just this. And it, isn't it weird that when we put that to the side, like your heart still beat, your brain still worked, maybe even a little better, like you're still able to live, you could breathe. And I just want to give a challenge that maybe, just maybe, we can go back home and still apply these same things. Take breaks, get alone, spend time with Jesus, engage in worship, engage in service, engage in your church community. Guys, I just think that this doesn't have to end here. It doesn't have to stop here. And I'm speaking to all of us in the room, adults and kids alike. We can can do this all the time. And so that's just my challenge. But I was just so excited. It was an encouragement to watch this progression of worship. So it's just so fun to watch God work in your lives. That's enough. Let's pray. Let's pray. We'll jump into this. Father, we give you thanks for an incredible week and another evening to be together, to worship you, to sing praises to you, to open your word and Holy Spirit to have you speak truth into our lives, to reveal truth about Jesus, to reveal truth about your ways and what you do and what you're calling us to do. Father, we thank you for your work last night in drawing people to Jesus we thank you that you won't stop. You continue your work. God, we give you praise for that. And I just pray, God, at this time, that you'd help us to be teachable and moldable. Help us to receive truth. God, keep my agenda and my opinions to myself. May we only hear your truth according to your word. God, we entrust this time to you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Amen. So Jesus has come back from the dead, and yet nobody's seen him yet. The Bible says that some of the women went to the tomb to, to prepare his body, just to make sure that it was done correctly, because two guys took care of it before on Friday. It was kind of a rush job, and so they went to prepare his body. And when they show up, they notice that the stone is out of the way, and they're not sure what to do with it, and there's an angel, and they're freaking out, and... So all the women except one, Mary Magdalene, stays put. They all take off running, which I, I would have ran too. 
See an angel just chatting, sitting on a stone. It's like, well, that's, that's awkward. That's different. I've never seen that before. But Mary's heart was what? I just want to see Jesus. But even before that, she's like, what happened to him? Because they still don't know if they believe it. I don't think it's at this point the angel's there. They just notice his body's not there. And then she's looking around and wondering, and all of a sudden, she, remember that part this morning you see in the show? Let it show the play. Not the show. We didn't watch the show. We watched, we watched the play. And, and Jesus speaking to her, and she doesn't recognize him until all of a sudden, until all of a sudden Jesus calls her by what? By name. And then her response is Rabboni, which means teacher. It's like she got it. And she said, now go tell all the guys that are hiding. <laughs> all the women showed up to his anointed body and all the guys are chilling out with the doors locked behind, behind closed doors, behind closed windows. Why? They're terrified of what might happen to them because they don't know that this has happened yet. Can you imagine? Mary goes back and tells him he's alive. I've seen him. And he says, he's going to show himself to you. But in the book of John, you see this race start. Like right when Simon Peter hears it, he takes off running. And then John, it says, and the, <laughs> I love John. He says, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm like, you little brat. Because he's talking about himself. <laughs> it's like, can you, I'm his favorite. <laughs> can, can you imagine just writing your book? How should I do this? I want to I stay anonymous, but I want to say I'm his favorite. Oh, the one that Jesus loved. That's me pause for just a second. Guys, I used to think that John was just such a jerk for that. I was like, you little jerk. But I think he's on to something. Friends, if you could actually believe it, like really believe that Jesus loves you, you are the beloved of God, I think it would change everything about you. I was sitting over uh, at the snack shack, whatever the snack shop, um, I was having lunch, and it was super crowded. I don't, I don't know how it went from like 85 to negative 4, whatever it was today. I don't, I don't know how that happened. So everyone was trying to be inside, and there were some high school girls, and they're talking, and all of a sudden, I mean, I was talking to them and just kind of hearing their heart, and, and, and then they, were, they started talking about boys, and I thought, well, this isn't my, I don't know, I felt awkward. Like, I, I, don't, I don't usually talk about boys. That's not, not anything that I do. <laughs> I, don't sit, I don't sit with my wife and go, did you hear about that boy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to engage in this conversation. So I'm just sitting there eating fries. <laughs> At the end of it, as I'm hearing all this drum, I said, hey, I, I know I'm an old guy, but can I just give you some advice? And then they all like, yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, I feel like a grandpa. Like they all leaned in, like I had something to say. I thought, Okay, this is kind of flattering, but it's kind of, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> like that, I'm at that stage where people, like young people go, how old are you? I want to lean into grandpa's wisdom. <laughs> and so I said, I'm, I'm listening to all this drama about boys. And I, I said, can I just give you a bit of, bit of advice? <clears throat> I said, don't, don't date boys. Wait for a man who loves Jesus more than he loves you, and you'll be loved amazingly well. And I said, if you could just do that and then find your identity in Jesus first and become the woman of God that God wants you to become rather than finding your identity on if a man actually or a boy wants to be your boyfriend, I said, I promise you, you're going to be so much better off. And I think all of them except one liked it. They're like, I see one right when I said it, she's like, mm. and then one on the other, on the end, she, she kind of leaned back. I'm like, 
I guess I didn't get, Grandpa didn't get through to that one. Because here's the thing, guys. I think if you could actually believe that Jesus loves you, almost uncontrollably, without regret, it would change everything in you. And that his love for you is not based on your performance of the day, but it's based on his character that never changes. Guys, I think John was on to something when he called himself the beloved of God. But in this passage, when Peter takes off running, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved started after him, but beat him there. And I'm like, that's, that's a guy. Every, everything becomes a competition. And so he beats him there, but he's going, and Peter goes running in, sees he's not there. Guys, you imagine as Peter's mind is just whirling. Why? Because it was only a couple days before that he what? Denied him three times. Can you imagine the hope that's starting to build up in him? Like, is it true? Is it possible? See, Jesus showed himself to Mary Magdalene. He says, tell all the guys. And tell them I'm going sh- to show myself to them. And then Jesus shows up to the disciples. But Thomas isn't there. But he says he shows up and he, and he talks about how he's, like, think about it. Everything you're getting to see. And then he brings up this Holy Spirit. It's like he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole lot of debate over that passage. I remember, I remember a guy years and years ago at a Christian club, he actually thought he was allowed to do that. We're at a Christian club and he walked around the students and he would breathe on them. And I'm like, I don't know if I want some man breathing on me. Like, I'm like, whoa, that's death that just came out of your mouth. Guys, I think what this coincides with is when you look in Genesis chapter 2 when God breathed life into Adam and he became a living being, this breathing life or breathing the spirit of God into someone is God's thing. And he breathed the spirit. And then Acts comes along and there's this different thing that happens the day of Pentecost and I don't totally completely get it. It doesn't give any complete details of it. All I know is that it says that that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. But why do we need the Spirit? Or who is the Spirit? Because I feel like a lot of times he's ignored. He's kind of pushed to the side. Let's not talk about him. When you look in John chapter 14, starting verse 15, it says this. Now listen to this. This is huge. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Guys, this is Jesus speaking Friends, if you're not doing what Jesus says as your regular part of your life, like your life is not I'm, not, I'm not doing what God says, but I love him, you don't. I mean, I don't know how to get around this verse. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. Well, what do we know, what do we know his commands to be? They're in the book. He tells us. He's like, obey me. Just do what I say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He goes on. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, watch this, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Guys, when it talks about another helper, you know who the first helper is? Jesus. And then Jesus ascended after his resurrection and then the Holy Spirit comes. And do you realize that even before that happened, Jesus looked at his disciples and says, hey, I know, I know you're gonna be bummed that I'm leaving, but it's so much better that I go because then I'll send the helper, I'll send the Holy Spirit. I've gotta be honest, guys. I'm like, is it really better? 
Like, I want to see Jesus. Like, when you get, like, think, when you read the book of Revelation, you see the Lamb of God sitting on the throne, and, like, millions upon millions of angels are surrounding the throne in worship. And I'm like, I want to see him. But he says, it's better that I go that you would receive the Holy Spirit. How could it be better? Because Jesus was in one place while he was here on the earth, and the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Not not just that. He's among us, and followers of Jesus, he's in us. That is so mind-blowing. The Holy Spirit, fully God. That means we have the power of the Trinity at our disposal to do whatever God wants us to do. He's in us. But do I live my life and see that difference that the Holy Spirit is in me? Do you? Do we acknowledge him? Do we speak to him? Or is it just the Holy Spirit? Guys, this is the helper. And here's the thing. Guys, we live in a culture where you're supposed to be able to handle everything on your own. Don't ask for help. That's weakness. And yet, it's in the name. He says, I'm going to send you another helper. And so in order for the Holy Spirit to do his job, you have to say, help. It's not weak. Guys, the Holy Spirit's job is to encourage, to help, to convict, to counsel, to play with. I mean, this is God with us and in us. In John chapter 16, verse 12, He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit. But here's what I do not want you to do. Well, I have the Holy Spirit in me. So I can just wait, and whatever thoughts come in my mind, that must be him, so therefore I'll just do that. No. The Spirit's job is to come and to convey truth. This is God's truth. Get into the book. If you want to hear God, open the book. Do I still believe the Holy Spirit speaks personally? Absolutely. But you can't decipher his voice unless you're spending time with him, unless you get to know him. But the, God, but the Holy Spirit will never contradict what he's written. It's kind of like this. Uh, back in, in my day, my day. Okay, so back in the day when I was a young boy, uh, mom would go to the grocery store, and dad, um, I grew up, dad was a, he was a, he was a cop, he's this big, giant guy, and so when mom would go to the store, he'd tell me and my brother, my brother's about three and a half years older than I'm, hey, go with your mom, take care of your mom, take care of your mom, so I'm like, I don't know, I'm like six, bodyguard, I'm gonna <laughs> go in the store with my mom, like, you want some of this, and so there, so when we get to the store, she gets her basket, and as she gets her basket, we're like with her to protect, and then we see the toy aisles, toy aisles, so we go running down the toy aisle, and she's doing all her stuff, and we're rolling a ball down the aisle. That's what we're doing. But here's the thing, and she just let us, and we weren't like breaking anything. It was just kind of fun. And then when she's done, we didn't have pagers or phones or nothing. You just, you had to listen. I mean, I could hear noises all around me, but once mom called my, vo- called my name, oh, I heard it. Like, she'd be anywhere in the store, we look like little puppies. Like we're just playing. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> you got to go find her. So now it's like a gang. Who finds her first? And then we take off. And we find her. And in our minds, we're pretending she called us because she needs help. Like she's almost done. She's getting a melon and then she goes into the home. But in our, in our mind, she, she's being kidnapped. So we're off. We're going to take care of her. But once she called one time, that was it. We knew. We knew her voice because we'd been around her voice so long. Guys, you want to you decipher the voice of the Holy Spirit? 
You spend time with him in his word. You make it a big, you begin it now and you don't stop until you're dead. And you just keep spending time with God and let him speak to you from his word and then begin to decipher his voice. Guys, God gave us himself, the Holy Spirit. But why do we need a helper? Yeah, life's hard, but why a helper? Because isn't it kind of taught? Don't you feel like a lot of preachers and pastors will get up and say, well, if you have enough faith, then you can have millions. I mean, you got people that is known as the prosperity gospel, and they'll just say, hey, if you have enough faith, then God will just make you rich. And hey, if you send me this amount of money, then I'll just, hey, I'll, I'll take this handkerchief and bless it and send it back to you, and God will bless your finances because God just wants you to be comfortable. Guys, that is such a lie. How do I know? Because the Bible says it so. We're going to suffer. We're in a broken world. It's not just that kind of suffering, though. Guys, we will suffer simply because we love Jesus. And that's why we have to come to some kind of conclusion. Is Jesus worth it? Because if he is, then we keep going forward with him no matter what. Guys, we need a helper because things, things will get difficult. On January 31st, 2021, in the southwestern region of India, Pastor Ashok and 150 other believers were gathered for a Sunday gathering, Sunday morning worship gathering, and as they began to worship, this large group of Hindu nationalists came in who hated Christians. And they, fl- and, they, and they swarmed the inside and then they shut the doors from the inside and locked it from the inside. And then they proceeded to go up to Pastor Ashok and to just beat him in front of his whole community. His 13-year-old daughter, Miriam, goes running goes, drops to her knees and starts begging these men as they're beating her dad and just begs that they would stop. And you know what their response was? They kicked her so hard in the stomach that she had internal bleeding for two weeks. 28 believers, including women and children, were beaten that day for 45 minutes, all because they loved Jesus. Remember, this is January 31st, 2021. In 2004, Pastor Ashok started his ministry. Since that time, he's been attacked three different times. But since that time, he's led more than 100 Hindus to Christ. It's during the second attack that his pregnant wife, Kala, was beaten so severely that she lost their baby and was left unconscious for three days. And yet, I read, there, I, when I'm reading this magazine called The Voice of the Martyrs, this is a quote from the end of it. It says this, Pastor Ash, now think about it. This is the response. Pastor Ashok and his church members know they could face further attacks. Watch it. But they continue to pray for their persecutors. Do you see the difference? It's not retaliation. It's not eye for eye. Nail them. Who's the example that they're trying to be like? Jesus. Goes on. It says, many of the believers said they forgive their attackers, watch, and want them to know Jesus too. 
Guys, I, I read that and I go, am I even a follower of Christ? You ever notice how quickly we can get so offended? Or have you ever noticed how wimpy we can become? I mean, this is going on. Other Christians are facing this. And over here, sometimes I feel like we're arguing about there's not enough donuts on a Sunday. Or the coffee's not, okay, what kind of coffee is that? Is that, is that, is that good coffee or is that weird coffee? It's like, I don't know. Hey, is there a cup holder for my coffee when I go into the worship service? Hey, I don't like this song. I don't like the, I don't like the key. It's too low. And we're complaining about these things and you have people who are experiencing persecution and when they're persecuted, what do they do? They pray for their persecutors. Why? Because that's what Jesus said to do. Why do we need a helper? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Is this gonna happen? You say, well, this is a great way to end the camp. Wow, hoorah. But friends, I'm telling you this. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it, I think it's in Acts chapter, chapter four, I think. It's a passage where the apostles got beat up because they loved Jesus. <laughs> I love this one. And after, after it happened, they, and they were threatened, don't ever talk about Jesus again. It said that when they left, <laughs> they rejoiced. <laughs> they rejoiced because they had been found worthy to what? To be beaten up because they loved Jesus. It's like they're just walking out going, dude, you look so bad. Like your face. It's all swollen. That was awesome. And then you know what they did after that? They went back and preached, and then they went house to house and told people about Jesus. They couldn't stop them because Jesus is worth it. Guys, when we get what Jesus did for us, and then the Holy Spirit, guys, it's not just these guys. It's the Holy Spirit in them, enabling them to live like this. Guys, why do we need help? Just to follow Jesus. So in John chapter 21, watch this, verse one. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Tom, uh, Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, hey, we'll go with you. And they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, what? Children, I, I guess I, I understand. It's like, hey, what's up, guys? But it's like, hey, little kids. Doesn't that just seem weird? And they don't know it's Jesus. See, I think, just, I think just sometimes Jesus just wants to punk us. It's like, hey, kids. And he goes on. Hey, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Just one word, no. Anybody like to fish? Anybody? You got fish? The goal of fishing is one thing, right? To catch fish. Have you ever gone fishing? I've had this happen. You ever, have, you ever gone fishing? And then you come home with nothing? And then someone asks you, hey, how was it? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's like you're all, you're frustrated over it. Because there's one thing, you just got to catch fish. And here comes Peter. He says, I'm going to go fishing. So they go fishing. They don't catch anything. Hey, you guys have any fish? 
No. <laughs> and he said to them, this is all he says, well, then cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Sure. Like as if all, as if all the fish, like they're out in the boat and all the fish are like, there they are again. They always throw it on the left. Let's go on the right. So they're just all over here. The boat's all over. The grandpa's all like us. Hey, no, no, get grandpa. Bring him over. And Jesus says, hey, just throw the nut on the other side. Oh, why didn't we think of that? Do you think that at any point people in the boat going, who is this guy? Now watch. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, there it is again, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. Here's Simon's response. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. <laughs> this is such an awkward fishing trip. For, for he was stripped for work. I don't think that he was butt naked. I think he just took out his otter. Never mind. Okay, let's just keep going. And threw himself into the sea. That makes no sense to me. I've never watched a swimmer in the Olympics. They come out with their big old puffy jackets and their massive headphones. They look like Princess Leia. And then they get out. They, before they jump in the water, they take all of that off to be quicker. But here comes Peter going, it's him. Put on the jacket and they're just jumping. And I'm sitting there going, you're in a boat. Let's just... Go in, using the boat. Verse eight, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. So can you imagine this? Peter's like, <laughs> and all the disciples are like, hey, we'll see you in there, Peter. You have a good one. And they just make it to shore. It's 100 yards, but he's exhausted by the time he gets there. Why swim 100 yards when you can ride in a boat for 100 yards? It's my conviction. I'll say it in just a second. Verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Bread. Oh, praise the Lord for bread. This has nothing to do with the message, but good night. When I guarantee when we get to heaven, bread will have protein and make you have abs on your neck. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> like just abs all over the place. Like bread lovers, say amen. amen. Yes. Come on now, here's like, like bread and butter, just drenched on it. Oh gosh, we're having church. Okay, back to it, sorry. Woo! I almost got saved again, here we go. And here's the thing, if Jesus made the bread, oh, it's gotta be good. Cause he knows, he knows every ingredient. He's like, bam, 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 he just knows. But he made breakfast for them. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, Hey, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Now watch Simon's response again. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Guys, there's about seven disciples and Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish. And here comes Peter going, got it. And he brings them all. 153 fish. How hungry does he think they are? It's like, I got it, I got it. Can you imagine Jesus going, I just wanted some. I just wanted a few. Why is he doing it? I think I'll explain in just a second. Verse 12, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. 
This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And you get to verse 15. When they had finished, break, I'm sorry, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh, Jesus is not afraid to go for the jugular when necessary. Why do I think that Peter swam 100 yards instead of staying in a boat? Why do I think he dragged 153 fish off a boat? Because I think he still has, an, has it in his mind. He has to prove something to Jesus and show him that he really loves him because he denied him three times. See, John the Baptist knew I'm the beloved of God, but Simon didn't get it. So he's, I, it's just, just my conviction. It doesn't say it in the passage. I'm just like, if I was there, why would, I would do the same thing. But then Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And that word love there, he uses, the, it's the word agape. In the Greek, it's the word agape. That's that, that's that God love. It's, it's love that's not based upon an emotion. It's just, I'm doing the right thing. It's a covenant commitment to a person, not based on an emotional, uh, an emotion driving me. It's just, I want to make sure that their needs are met before mine. It's all about them, not about me. It's a choice, not a feeling. And yet when Peter responds, watch, and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the word that Peter uses is phileo. He doesn't use agape. Phileo is like, we're brothers. Like, we're, we're tight, we're brothers, but he doesn't say agape. And so then Jesus said to him, well, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He asked him the same question, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you really phileo me? It's almost like Jesus is saying, do you agape me? No. Second time, you, no, not there. So then Jesus just says this, then I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to ask you, do you phileo me? Why do you think that he asked him three times instead of just once? Because he denied him three times. You feel like it stung each time? Yeah. Friends, part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin. And when he, he, he stings us a little bit, pro pokes us, prods us, guys, just pay attention and realize that it, all, of it, all of it is always based on God's love for us. And we confess and we repent from those things and then we continue on, we keep going. Jesus is not afraid to confront. And Simon, uh, Peter, I'm sorry, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now listen to this part, this is how he closes it with them. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then John gives an explanation why he said it. Verse 19, there he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. What? How could someone's death bring glory to God? I mean, think about it. Aren't we kind of taught that God will save the day? He's going to rescue last minute every time. He didn't do it with his son. We just have it in our minds. Well, of course he's going to do that. Think about it. The way that Peter died brought glory to God. 
Remember, the, I think it was the first night we were together when Jesus looked at Peter and he says, hey, you are Simon, but you will be Peter. Remember? And I think this is how he's saying this is, this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to bring it to fruition in your life. See, you're going to die for Jesus and you will be known as rock. Like that's who you'll, you'll be known as Peter. And then you just see this at the end. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here's the invitation. It's not going to look great, but follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. There it is again, following them, the one who has also leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that will, go, who will betray you? Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about that guy? What about him? Like you're telling me this is what I'm going to go through, but what about him? And don't we do the same thing? It's like, I don't want to go through this. How come I have to go through this, but they don't? Guys, I still remember like it was yesterday, almost 16 years ago, sitting in my office when I was a youth pastor and my office, my, my office phone rang. And I pick it up and I remember I was standing, I just kind of picked up, I was working on something. I said, hello, it's my wife. And she said, are you sitting? And I said, no, and then I sat down. So she had gone to a doctor's appointment with my two-year-old and my one-month-old. And she said, I have cancer. And I went, what? See, before we, were, we were, before we got pregnant with Dylan, she had this lump on her neck. And so she had a biopsy and there were a few tumors there and he checked a couple of them. I said, no, you're fine. It'll only be one of these and you're fine. And so if you have a baby, if you want to have a baby, have a baby, then we'll take it out afterwards. So she went, but she, she, she just didn't feel right about it. After Dylan was born, she's like, I don't feel right. Can we do a biopsy on this other one? And it's weird, the doctor kept fighting her on it. And in my mind, I'm like, aren't you getting paid? Just do it. So he finally did it, and she was right. She had thyroid cancer. And it's, it was a super treatable kind, but guys, have you ever gotten that kind of phone call? Like even as I say that, I'm guessing that there's many in the room that family or friend, you've heard, I mean, this is what they had to deal with. And it's so easy to go, then why do we have to deal with this? And they don't. And so I remember, I said, I got to get out of here. So I hung up the phone and I get all my stuff. I put my glasses on because I'm already tearing up. And I get out, I start walking past my assistant. My assistant was this little old grandma, Marguerite. And as I, I said, Marguerite, I'll see you later. She goes, wait. And I don't know if she could, I don't know if she could smell it on me or what, but she knew something was up. She said, get over here. You know, and I don't, you don't argue with grandma. I'm like, yes, ma'am. She goes, what's the matter? I said, nothing. She goes, you're lying. And I told her and she goes, don't go anywhere. I'm going to get the whole staff together. We're going to pray for you right now. I said, no, I got to go. And she knew. She's like, okay, you've got five, you've got five minutes. And I'm calling the staff and we're praying. So I run out the car and I drive home and I'm calling everyone on my way home when it was legal to actually use the cell phone. And, and I was going the speed limit-ish and, and I'm, cause I got to get home quick. Like, why do I have to get home so quick? Like, what am I going to do? Get home, pull out a butter knife, say, I'll take care of it. I'm a pastor. And then just rip it out. There was just something in me. I thought I have to fix this. But I, guys, before I even got to the next parking lot of our church, I just lost it. Guys, when I prayed, it was something like this. Seriously, God? 
My whole life is about you. Everything I do, every way I spend my money, my time is about you and you're giving us this? Are you kidding me? You ever prayed like that? Because if you haven't, the scriptures give you freedom to do so. Guys, in Psalm 13, when David cries out to God, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's some attitude. And when people go, I would never speak to God like that. But in your heart, you are. So you're just a polite liar when you pray. But we're invited. God says, just bring it. And I did. And the passage that popped into my head, it's out of the book of Job. Where God says something like this to Job, really, are you going to put me in the wrong so you feel like you're in the right? And I drove home, and I remember walking in tiny little house. I mean, tiny little house. Our first was so small. I remember when I parked the car in the garage, and I opened the, opened the kitchen. The kitchen is like a third of the size of the stage. And I opened the door, and here's my wife at the sink, washing dishes. My two-year-old's right here having a hot dog because it's right to have a hot dog. And my one-month-old's over on the floor, not on the floor, he's in a carrier on the floor. Like, he'd be like, lay over there. It's like, that's not how it works. So he's just, he's just chilling. Friends, I wish I could tell you that the first thought that came in my mind was, God's got this. The first thought that came in my mind, and I didn't verbalize it because I didn't think it'd be helpful. The first thought was this, I don't know how to be a single dad. I don't know how to do this, God. And God helped. The Holy Spirit was so real in all of it. From the surgeries to the radioactive iodine treatment to the radiation to to when all of a sudden we go to a doctor's appointment after a couple surgeries and all this stuff and the doctor says, it's gone. And I'm like, praise God. But there's no way that I could have gotten through that. And friends, I'll be honest. I don't want to do it again. Every year when she gets her blood work, I'm like, oh God, don't let that happen again. I don't want to repeat it, but I would never trade it because I never knew that my relationship with God could be like this. And God had to bring me to a place of brokenness to introduce me to who? The Holy Spirit, who is my helper. Guys, that's when it all changed for me. And God, by his grace, allowed us to face all of that, and he walked through all of it. And so when Peter says, well, what about that guy? Watch Jesus' response. Jesus said in verse 22, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Uh-oh. It's like, why do you care? And then he just gives him the invitation again. You follow me. You follow me. Whatever comes, follow me. Guys, think of the invitation. The God of the universe, the one who measures the universe with the span of his hand, the one who spoke everything into existence. Guys, the God who is outside of time and yet somehow lives inside of time seems every moment of all of time as if it's one instant. The God who created knowledge and humor, the God who's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing. That God says, come with me. 
He didn't say, just go do stuff. Show that you love me. Do it on your own. Hopefully you'll make it. He's like, no, no, no. You follow me. You come with me to make sure you're going to make it. I will give you my Holy Spirit to make sure as a guarantee, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus. And until that day, when we see Jesus in all his glory, church, we've got a mission. Friends, church is not a building. Church is not a Sunday morning event. The word church, the original language, the word means this, a gathering of people brought together to fulfill a purpose. That's what the word means. And somehow it turned into an hour, hour and a half event on Sunday. Hopefully we can keep everyone entertained as long as we can. Guys, that has nothing to do with it. It's a mission. It's a gathering of people brought together to fulfill something. To fulfill what? Jesus made it clear. Go make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize those disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Guys, doesn't that seem too big? The whole world? Wasn't it great that Jesus has followers all over the world? So where do you start? Your zip code. Your zip code. Guys, we must not be doing something well. Why? Do you realize that there are, there are followers of Jesus from other countries who are sensing the call of God to come to the United States to preach the gospel to us? And I sit and go, why is that? Because I think at some point we actually started to believe, get saved, and then just wait for heaven. Rather than God calls me into relationship with himself and connected to that call of relationship with him is a call to the mission. An old school, an old school preacher, I love him, a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon, he says this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We think missionary, remember we brought this up, it's just the person that gets passports, they can go somewhere. Friends, your mission field starts in your zip code. Every single one of you can make an impact. People are, oh, they're too young, they can't do it, it's because they're too old, remember? Guys, remember, God loves to use the young people. A couple minutes, hold on. I remember uh, my first church, uh, they're in baptisms, there's this married couple up there getting baptized, and they were sharing their testimony, and it's like, how did you come to Christ? And so the wife steps in, and, and she says, well, we brought our son, he was five, and we brought him to Awana, so the midweek little Bible study thing for kids. And we brought him every week, and we'd drop him off, and then Sunday morning we would drop him off, because it was like free babysitting for us. They weren't part of our church community, they would just drop him off and come pick him up. And so as she said, one night, as we're driving home, my son looked at me and said, Mom, how come you and Dad don't go to church? I love, remember, boldness of, boldness of babies. How come you and dad don't come to church? She says, oh, you know, we're really glad that you do. I'm listening to this whole thing as she's explaining. We're so glad that you do. We're so excited for you. And we know that you love it. We love that you love it. And the mom trying to weasel her way out of it. And he simply says this. He goes, okay, I just know I love Jesus and I want you to love him too. And that was it. Like he, then he just plays with a book or something. 
And that mom stood in that baptismal saying, we're up here and know Jesus because our five-year-old spoke into us. Friends, the only thing keeping you from doing anything for Jesus is you. Because there's a God who is in you if you're a follower of Jesus saying, get ready. Like, let's do this. Let's do this. And Brian, it's going to get hard, absolutely. There's a whole world that doesn't believe what we believe. I know. How should we respond? Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. We show them the gospel. We proclaim to them the message of the gospel. All by the help and the hope that comes with the Holy Spirit. So friends, we move forward in power with the help of our helper, the Holy Spirit, to share Jesus with the whole world starting in our zip codes. But friends, expect opposition. Spiritual warfare is real. Expect it. An old school, another one, another old school pastor, a guy by the name of J.C. Ryle, he said this, warfare with the powers of hell is the experience of every individual member of the true church. Each has to fight. What are the lives of all the saints but records of battles? I don't know, when I hear records of battles, like, what do I get to do? You get to be part of a battle. Oh, game time, game time. Come on, whoa, I'm ready to go. But it's like, oh, we can all get together and we can have some coffee. I don't want to do that. I don't even like coffee. It tastes like dirt. Guys, when Jesus is like, okay, I want you to follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You get to Matthew 4 and you watch what happens. When he calls them, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They drop everything, go after him. And what happens? He starts proclaiming about the kingdom. He goes from synagogue to synagogue preaching about the coming kingdom of God. And he's out in the open. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's healing paralytics, demon-possessed people. He's driving demons out. Paralyzed people, he's healing them, they're walking home. The blind are receiving his sight, the deaf are hearing. Man, that sounds like something I want to be part of. Guys, that's the battle. That's what we're invited into. And we can't lose. Why? Because the one who created everything, the one who's in charge of everything, the God whom the demonic bowed down in worship because he's sovereign over everything. That God says, I will be with you until the very end of the age. There is nothing stopping the church of Jesus. All we have to do is simply follow him. That's it. Follow him him and he will lead us into the greatest mission that the world has ever known and we get to be part of impacting eternity guys that is what jesus has called us to but he's given us his holy spirit to help because there will be opposition but praise be to god jesus has already won the battle we can't lose and at the end, at the end, oh, to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Youth workers. Youth, work. <clears throat> youth workers, just for a second. Youth workers, parents. I think I brought this up. Just fill jars. Just do your part. Just be faithful with the little bit that God's given you and hear Jesus say, well done.
Like, well done. Don't compare yourself with other ministries. Youth pastors, don't worry about what that, what that church down the street's doing, what that church. Just be faithful. Just stay in your lanes. Just do your thing. Because it's the same, it's the same response from Jesus, whether you're leading the one or the masses. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. You hang in there. Because I promise you, I'm convinced that the applause of heaven is deafening for your efforts and your faithfulness to Jesus because you long to see your kids know him, to follow him and to make disciples. And young people, do not let anyone stop you in making disciples for Jesus, but remain teachable and humble to receive instructions from those who've gone before you. We need you and you need us. Welcome to the church. We are the church filled by the Holy Spirit to accomplish things that God sends us to do. We get to be part of what he does. It's not on us. Last quick story. You okay? We have time? Okay. I didn't see anybody see yes or no, so I just said, I guess I can do it. Okay, so here it is. And if you've known, like, I feel like some of the human staff's like, we've heard this one before. I know, but this one's like so fun for me. I remember when I was washing the car, boys were like two and four. And I was almost done. I was washing both. I'm almost done. And I hear the kitchen door open that leads into the garage. And I hear my wife say, go help your dad. And I went, oh, crud. Because I'm almost done. And when they help, it's not any help. And I guess it is. It's not. I'll prove it. My four-year-old, he comes around, Dad, I'm going to help. He grabbed the hose. He watered the street. <laughs> Didn't move it, just held it. That's why there's a drought. My boy. <laughs> My boy from 14 years ago emptied out the lakes of California onto our street. <laughs> I said, Tyler, what are you doing? I'm helping. All right. Hey, all right. And then Dylan, he's like two. So he's walking, kind of like a little drunk monkey. That's what they, so he's good. He goes, no joke. He sees I'm almost done. He sees the bucket of soap. No, no, it's, it's, it's weird what he did. He didn't like pick it up and chuck it. It's not what he did. He went over to the grass and he plucked grass out of the lawn, like out of the grass. And he dipped it into the soap. And he, he walks over and he paints my car. <laughs> I just see like stri stripes of soap on my car. And it's not a big deal because I can pretty much just wipe that part off. And so I'm like, well, Dylan, thank you. He goes, you're welcome. Welcome. So I start to go wipe. He's like, no, no, done. He goes and gets some more grass, <laughs> dips it in the bucket, walks over, paints the car. My wife's inside. I know why, because they were helping her and she needed a break. So <laughs> there he is painting my car. I look at it, Tyler. <laughs> he hasn't moved. Tyler, you getting helping. <laughs> one point, Dylan stops. He goes, all done. And I said, you're pathetic. No, I didn't say that. I'm just <laughs> This is what I said. I said, 
buddy, thank you. And he walked, he's like, just starts walking away. I said, Ty, I think you're done. Okay. And so now he goes in, I finish, I, I wipe off the soap. <laughs> I finish the cards and this thought popped in my head. That's what it's like when you help me. I'm like, what? I felt like God was saying, that's what it's like when you help me. I'm like, no, I'm necessary. Guys, you know what the best part about that whole thing, about them being outside with me, <laughs> watering the street and painting the car? It was because they were out with me. They were out with me. I like the fact that Jesus says, follow me. We get to go with him. Friends, I have one small, tiny, tiny little part that he lets me play in. I don't take the credit and I don't have to take the blame. I just, be faith. I just have to be faithful. Just do your part. But think about it. You do your part, filled by the Holy Spirit, to see one life transformed and eternity impacted because you said yes to Jesus. That's the difference. That's the life that God brings to us. But in order to do it correctly, friends, be people of the book so you know what God says, who he is, what he calls us to do, and why people need Jesus they need to hear about Jesus, not just see nice things done. They need to hear the gospel. Can I pray for y'all? Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Spirit of God, we thank you. You're in us, those of us who follow you, who are your followers, that we've surrendered our life to Jesus. You are in us, and may that be a thought that just overwhelms us at times. And may that encourage us to move in boldness. No fear, but complete boldness, so that at the end of our life, we can stand before you and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, and in return say back to you, what a ride, what a ride. God, I can't believe you let me do that for you. God, may we live our lives in complete abandonment for the sake of the gospel because, Jesus, you're worth it. And, God, may we do this in such, in such a way that, Father, you receive all the glory for it. Knowing that Peter's life brought you glory as well as his death, God, may we have that same mentality, whether life or death, may all be done in glory to you. And so, God, in all that you accomplish through us, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of Christ's followers say, amen. amen. Love you more than you know. <laughs>